Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm an integrative and functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in well over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs. And I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a school in practitioner mentorship where we help other clinicians level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what this show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I would love for you to subscribe to the show, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Now give me the mic so I can take it away. Ozempic, are you ready? We're going to talk about it. The weight loss drug. Ozempic is not technically a weight loss drug, but its sister, Wagovia, is. So we're going we're gonna to talk about them. Why? Because you asked. And my babies get what my babies want. You might notice that we are releasing this on a different day. And that's because I wanted to get this out as soon as I could. Um, it is the start to the new year. I know what's going on on TikTok and I wanted you to have this information, be armed and be ready. Um, in conjunction, I also extended the sign-up day for the Carb Compatibility Project to Tuesday, January 10th. Um, I have a little bit of a witchy feeling that after listening to this episode, there might be some people who are like, oh, I want to get in. So we're extending the deadline by one day. Tuesday, January 10th, we're going live at 1230 Eastern Standard Time to answer all your questions. So we do want you signed up and ready to go by then. Okay, let's get into it. So like I said, Ozempic and Wagovi, they're basically the same pharmaceutical drug. It's semaglutide. Not sure if I'm saying that. And that's kind of par for the course for a lot of this stuff. Um, you, I read, you know, we're going to talk about flavonoids at some point today. And it's like you read these words in research so much, but they're not really thrown around in everyday convo. So uh, have fun with my pronunciations today because Lord knows if I'm saying anything correctly. However, you might not be hip to this game. You might have no idea what we're talking about. You're probably the better for it. Um, but chances are you will be hearing about these drugs sooner than later. Um, so again, Ozempic and Wagovi, they are the same exact drug. They just differ slightly in their dosing, um, but the mechanism of action is exactly the same. It's a GLP-1 agonist. GLP-1 is a hormone uh, that we'll discuss, and it's glucagon-like peptide-1 is the official name, but let's call it GLP-1 to make my life a lot easier. So the way that you get these drugs in, it's through a weekly injection. Ozempic is approved to treat type 2 diabetes. And I want to be really clear that it's not the same thing as insulin. It's not the same thing as metformin. Metformin is another medication used to treat 
type 2 diabetes and insulin resistance and blood sugar issues, totally different mechanism of action, okay? And so then Wagovi is the same thing. It's just a higher dose version, and this is approved for weight loss in obesity. Uh, Ozempic has been being prescribed off-label, meaning that Ozempic is being prescribed not for type 2 diabetics, but for people wanting to lose weight. But that that's the main difference between the two. It's, it's how much um, of the actual drug, the, the semaglutide, that's available in the pen, the injection device. Um, and I believe that Wagovi usually ramps up to a higher sustained dose. So in both cases, you start with the lower dose, you work your way up, and then I do believe Wagovi, um, you stay at a higher dose. So that's the main main difference, but it's essentially one and the same. You may have heard of shortages on Wagovi, and that has a lot to do with the fact that it's uber popular in the media right now. Um, we've got celebrities like the Kardashians talking about it, taking it um, huge on TikTok. That is not a place that I currently spend any of my time, but I've heard a lot but it's also huge in doctors' offices. And I actually had no idea about that. But when I posted about this on Instagram a few weeks ago, my DMs were flooded with stories. So people were coming out of the woodwork to tell me that uh, they were offered this drug uh, by their PCP or their GP and were kind of alarmed and startled by this. So this is seems to be a pretty common occurrence. And I also heard from a lot of, to be clear, people are being um, recommended this drug for weight loss, not for type 2 diabetes, the the people that I was hearing from. Um, And then I heard from a lot of, or a fair amount of practitioners who are working with patients on who are on these drugs and struggling with some significant side effects. So I do want to talk to you about the side effects today, just so you are equipped with information. Because I fully understand the siren's call of seeing the TikTok weight loss photos. Um, I understand. I lived that life for a very long time, seeking validation and help outside of myself. And I'm going to level with you here before and after photos. They got me every time. But what you might not see in the before and after photos, what you might not see or hear about on TikTok is the full story, the full picture. So I'm going to try to present some different sides today. I am kind of thinking back to the Olean, the Olestra of the 90s. Remember those chips? They were fat-free chips, but they tasted like the real thing. And anal leakage was a side effect. Like you put too much confidence in a fart and you'd shit your pants. You know, and we all laughed about it, like, oh, wow, we were so crazy back then. And yet here we are again, people doing questionable things to have a manufactured Kardashian waistline. In a way, it's deeply sad, the things that we will do to our bodies as a way to lose weight. And also, we live in a world that tells you that your value is actually in the size of your waistline. So what a pickle, right? What a pickle. So this is not a shame game. This is not me telling you that you are wrong or bad 
for considering this medication. And I say this because I got some kind of cranky, judgy DMs and I shut it down real fast because that's not what we're doing here. Not all of us have done the inner work to be able to pull a Tupac and be like, fuck all y'all. I have. I have. That's why I take to the mic every single week and I deliver information through this lens. But I also fully understand and fully recognize that this is an uphill battle that many of you feel like you are fighting. And this is a culture that we all live in that tells us this matters. The size of your waist matters. The size of your jeans matter. The number on the scale matters. And I have spent the better part of my career trying to challenge diet culture and the stronghold it has on us. So today is not that. That is not where I'm going to invest my energy today. Today, I am going to deliver a show for people who are interested in this medication so you can understand the potential risks that you are signing yourself up for. And maybe you share this with friends or family who are talking about it. Uh, This is also an episode for providers who may be asked about this medication so you can better understand the mechanism of action and you can help your clients or your patients understand the potential risks and downsides. We're also at the end going to talk about ways to naturally enhance this hormone called GLP-1. Uh, because that's how this drug works. And in the event that you don't want to spend thousands of dollars, because, oh yeah, this medication is wicked expensive. If you don't want to spend thousands of dollars injecting yourself every week with a pharmaceutical, you can try some of these strategies instead. All right, so let's hit it. We're going to start with GLP-1. Like I said, these meds are GLP-1 agonists which means it essentially enhances the receptor sites and acts like the hormone itself. Now, when it comes to metabolism and metabolic health, there are a lot of hormones and a lot of different pathways involved. It's a very complex web. So GLP-1 is just one hormone in this whole web. And as I've said before, it's (laughs) the human body in all its glory. It's very rare that we just pull one string and only affect one thing. Usually we tug on the string and like the whole web gets impacted. And that's pretty much what's going on here. So GLP-1 is released from the intestines, from your gut, in response to food intake. So when you eat, this uh, hormone gets Uh, activated. It's an incretin hormone. So incretins are cells in the gut that control islet cells. Islet cells are cells of the pancreas. So the beta cells of the pancreas release insulin and the alpha cells release glucagon. These are two hormones that regulate your blood sugar or your blood glucose. So when you eat, blood sugar goes up, insulin gets released, it takes blood sugar out of the blood and it puts it into the cell. And then glucagon can raise blood sugar through gluconeogenesis. So these incretin hormones, uh, there's GIP, gastric inhibitory polypeptide, and then GLP-1, both of them impact blood sugar. And GLP-1 is produced in the cells of the distal ileum, which is the last part of the small intestine and the colon. So they're kind of made throughout the gut. And they really help to make an efficient and appropriate response of insulin and glucagon. So it has these big metabolic effects. The gut releases GLP-1 and that sends signals to receptors which are throughout the body, including the brain. 
GLP-1 receptors are widely located throughout the brain, so it has central nervous system effects as well. So it's not it's not just a gut effect. It's not just an insulin effect. It is a body effect. So welcome to the human body. That's kind of what it does. So what does GLP-1 do? It affects gut motility. So we've talked a lot about gut motility on the show before. We've talked a lot about gut health. Uh, motility is how quickly or how slowly things move through your system. So if you struggle with constipation, diarrhea, uh, ongoing SIBO, recurring small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, you've got a motility issue. It also inhibits gastric acid secretion. So that means it slows and blocks the production of stomach acid. Now, many of you here have been longtime listeners uh, or you're familiar with overall health and overall gut health. And right away, you're like, red flag. Yeah, we don't want to be blocking the production of stomach acid. That's no bueno. That's bad news bears. We'll talk about it in a second. It also inhibits glucagon secretion. So again, remember glucagon is that hormone produced by the alpha cells of the pancreas. It activates gluconeogenesis. If you remember back to science class, that's what stimulates the liver uh, when the liver is stimulated to break down glycogen to be released into the bloodstream as glucose. Uh, glucose. So these hormones are always like kind of working in conjunction with each other, working in balance to have, you know, relative homeostasis throughout the body. Um, the GLP-1, this hormone also promotes the growth of beta cells in the pancreas. These are the cells, like I said, that release insulin and enhance insulin secretion. So this, these medications actually do bump up uh, insulin output because of that. GLP-1 also induces satiety. So remember how I said that there's receptors in the brain. So this hormone gets real, you eat food, this hormone gets released by the gut and sends signals to the brain that says, I'm full, stop eating. So it has this appetite suppressive effect. You starting to pick up what I'm putting down? Um, and then it also can activate brown adipose tissue. It stimulates um, brown adipose tissue thermoneogenesis. And um, that's through the hypothalamus, the AMPK pathway there for, for you geeks out there that care about that kind of stuff. I I kind of do. Um, anyway, so you can see why this medication that is an agonist of this hormone GLP-1 can work for weight loss. Number one, it's slowing the rate of stomach emptying. So that means that food is sitting in your stomach longer, which can prolong the sense of fullness and satiety after meals unfortunately, that's where a lot of the side effects come from because our body is kind of like a pretty efficient machine. And especially the tube that is your GI tract, mouth to butt, things really should be moving through that there at a pretty good clip. Not too fast, not too slow. So if things get backed up, you, you tend to feel it and it doesn't feel good. Um, and then the downsides of this, it, what we're seeing is that people can have too much satiety. So they are too full. They have to eat really small portions. And many people end up dramatically under eating because it, it's, they're just so full and it's so uncomfortable um, because of the, the impact this hormone has on the brain, but also on the gut. And so we can see pretty dramatic weight loss effects now, if you've been around with me for a minute, you know that 
huge dramatic weight loss isn't always awesome. Uh, there are pretty potent effects of under eating, one of which is muscle loss. So that's kind of the downside of these drugs is that people lose weight pretty quickly, but they're losing a lot of muscle mass. I talked about the concept of muscle as medicine on episode 233, protein intake in building muscle mass. And the amount of muscle that you have on your body dramatically impacts your metabolism. Without adequate muscle mass, you can't have a healthy metabolism. So I want to just take a hot second to do like a little bit of a riff on the long game. Because in my experience, the most successful people whether it's in business, in relationships, in fitness, in health, they are playing the long game. So here's an example as it relates to business. If somebody invites me on their podcast, first of all, thank you. Yes, I would love to talk. Um, and then they like turn over the mic and they're like, where, where can people... What, where can people find you? Where, um, where do you want to send people? What offers do you have? I am not trying to pitch to a cold audience. I'm not trying to say, hey, I'm trying to make a quick buck. I want the fast sale. Go sign up for this program. I'm saying, go check out my podcast. There's over 300 hours of free content. I want you to get familiar with me, with my vibe, with my output. Like, consume the free stuff for as long as you need to. And then maybe in the future, once, you know, you've bought into the Aaron Holt health, uh, I don't know, vibe, then you might eventually want to purchase from me. Cool. But I'm not here to make a quick dollar. I'm here to build relationships. I don't want you to be here for a four-week program. I want you to be in my world forever. You know, I want to play the long game with you. I've been here podcasting for over five years, every single week. Long game. We are not a culture of people that respect the long game. We, I've, heard, I've heard it referred to as microwave culture. Like we want the quick fix. We want the get rich quick scheme, right? And if we don't get it, we think we're doing something wrong. Hey, let's take a quick break so we can talk about low sugar nutrition. I'm always looking for kind of quick and dirty ways to pack in extra nutrition, polyphenols, antioxidants, fibers for my gut, and even herbs for my stress response, like the more adaptogens, the better, which is why I use Organifi powders every day, several times a day. I love to put them into my water. This is great if you're one of those people that struggles to just get enough hydration, get enough water. And if you feel like water's really boring, these powders can zhuzh it up for you. My kiddo loves them. She feels like she's drinking juice. My personal favorite is the red juice. So it has lots of different red powders, things like acai, cranberry, pomegranate, strawberry, raspberry, blueberry, all of those polyphenol-rich red and blue powders. And it's low sugar. All of Organifi's powders are under three grams of sugar per serving. And most of them offer up fiber as well to counteract any spike in blood sugar. So highly recommend. I throw them in my smoothie so I can pack in a bunch of veggies 
without adding a ton of fruit that might spike my blood sugar, and I can still make them sweet and palatable. Go to Organifi's website, Organifi.com. You can click the link in the show notes. Be sure to use the code FUNK. It will save you 20% off of every single order you ever place. You get a good deal and you get to support all the good things in your body too. All right, my athletes and my fitness freaks, are you getting enough electrolytes? You kind of need them. They're kind of a big deal. You lose a lot through sweat, but just don't be replacing them with any of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no fillers, no yuck. You need Element. It's not only delicious and wicked convenient, mixes in water super easily, but it also contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. You can get a free sample pack that's eight single serve packets for free with any element order when you go to drinkelement.com forward slash funk. The deal's only available through my unique link to thank you for listening to the show. D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com forward slash F-U-N-K. You can try it risk-free. In this whole premise absolutely extends to our health and to our weight. And you know that it does. We are so willing to rob Peter to pay Paul when it comes to our health. It's like, I'll do whatever it takes to lose weight. I'm not thinking about the long game. I am not thinking about the long-term effects of this decision. I just want to lose weight. And I want to lose it real fast. I want it to happen like yesterday. And so we do the things, we buy into the tactics that sell that same idea to us. It doesn't freaking work. And so I'm not saying that this medication doesn't work. I'm just saying that if you are losing weight at such a rapid rate that you're losing muscle mass, that is going to impact your metabolism. That is going to make that weight loss challenging to sustain. So I want you to think about that. If you have any health goals, if you have any weight loss goals, the long game matters. Play the long game. The people who are most successful in pretty much anything are playing the long game. They're here for the long game. They're not short-sighted in in looking for immediate gratification. They're willing to put in the work to get the long-term results. So there's just something to think about. So I want to talk about some other side effects. Again, I've I've spoken about this a lot on this podcast, but some other um, issues with dramatically under eating, we can start to see thyroid dysfunction. We can see significant hormone dysfunction. We can see issues with menstruation, infertility. Um, If we're under eating food, we're under consuming nutrients. These nutrients are the things that drive vital functions like liver detox, like mitochondrial health, ATP energy production, kind of a big deal. And these are things that creep up on you. So it might not happen right away. They might, you might not see them right away. But I can tell you after doing the work that I've done for 12 years, that these are real effects of under eating food, real effects of under eating calories. Sure, you might lose weight but how are you robbing Peter to pay Paul in this scenario? I have built an entire career off of cleaning up the fuck show that is the modern American woman who is trying to do the most and eat the least. And it is not pretty. Weight loss 
is all fun and games until you want to get pregnant and then find out that your metabolism and your hormones are so deranged that you cannot. Or you end up with some major thyroid disorder or autoimmune illness or chronic mystery syndrome in your body has been so underfueled and undernourished that you're not producing enough ATP to actually heal yourself. And this is why I hear all of the time, every single day in my work, I wish I knew then what I know now, or I wish I found you in your work sooner. And it's really, really sad. And I am not saying that this medication doesn't have a time and a place. And really this conversation is more about using these meds for weight loss and less for type two diabetics. I probably should have led with that. But if you're taking something that shuts completely shuts down your appetite so that you're dramatically under eating, that is no different than just restricting your food source. So everything I've said over the past five years about the downsides of restricting your fuel source applies here. And on top of that, there are significant GI side effects. These are actually the most common with these meds. Nausea, vomiting, belching, farting, bloating, diarrhea, constipation. Yay, but you're skinny. So remember that GLP-1 in these meds have a direct effect on motility, on stomach emptying, and even on stomach acid production. So it's not shocking that we would see these as side effects signs and symptoms of low stomach acid. So if this is something that's blocking stomach acid, these are some some signs that you may be dealing with this. Bloating or distension after eating, gas after eating, prolonged sense of fullness after eating, heartburn, indigestion, nausea, um, food allergies, multiple food sensitivities, acne, hair loss, weak peeling and cracked fingernails, intestinal parasites, candida, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. These are some things that we can see associated with low stomach acid. So we really don't want to be doing anything that you know, long-term suppresses the production of stomach acid. Um, Rachel and myself are in some um, functional nutrition groups for practitioners and out of curiosity, we were just kind of poking around um, to see if pe- uh, practitioners who are working with people on these meds were dealing with issues. And by by like a country mile, this is the number one issue that they are seeing is these acute GI issues. And so these practitioners are like, how do I troubleshoot this? How do I help my clients manage the these GI symptoms? And the answer is you don't. That is how the drug works. That is the mechanism of action. So you can't enhance GLP-1 and then simultaneously try to shut GLP-1 down. You know what I'm saying? So on top of that, there are less common because um, the GI side effects are super duper common. There are some less common, but more serious side effects. Um, pancreatitis, which is inflammation of the pancreas, which makes sense um, after understanding how this drug works, right? It's uh, It's impacting the cells of the pancreas. And pancreatitis, by the way, is a pretty serious thing. But we're essentially bypassing the normal checks and balances of this organ. Um, There can be hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, kidney problems, uh, gallbladder problems, and thyroid tumors or cancer. So just be mindful of that. How are you robbing Peter to pay Paul, potentially? So let's transition. So 
hopefully that gives you some information to anchor into. So if you decide, because you are the authority on you. So I'm not here to tell you that you should not be on this medication. I'm here to give you information so then you can make a choice. Because from what my understanding, people are not getting this information in their doctor's offices. This It's more of like being written off as like a miracle drug and you can lose weight. But it's like, yes, and here are some side effects that you should be aware of. Um, so if you're like, hail to the na na na, I do not want that anywhere near my body. No, thank you. But I'm very interested in this GLP. Tell me more. Let's get into ways that we can uh, naturally increase, enhance, and support GLP-1 production and overall satiety. So that feeling full, not to the effect that, not to the to the impact that we're going to feel like nauseous all of the time. But if you're somebody who struggles with feeling full, these things can help. When I start to feel my stress and anxiety kick it up a notch, like Emeril Lagasse, I personally lean on Ned's De-Stress Blend. It's a certified organic formula that features two powerful plant compounds, CBD, and then the lesser known CBG, which is considered the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is for anxiety and stress. De-Stress Blend also features ashwagandha, one of my favorite adaptogens. And I think I say that about all the adaptogens, but ashwagandha was my gateway into adaptogenic herbs. So I do have a special love for it. Invest in yourself and fortify your stress response. Get 15% off of Ned's de-stress blend with code FUNK. Go to helloned.com forward slash FUNK or enter code FUNK at checkout. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash F-U-N-K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. So as I said, GLP-1 is released from the intestines in response to food intake. And there's different responses. Um based on the macronutrients. So with glucose, GLP will go up, it will be released, and then it will come back to down. Fat, it will be low, but then it goes up. Um, and then protein, it goes up and stays up. So what does that mean? Um, essentially, consuming meals that tend to be high in protein and higher in fat can really help with GLP-1 release. Uh, Meals composed of higher amounts of protein stimulate GLP-1 secretion substantially. So protein, if you have to like kind of pick one macronutrient that gets the biggest response, it's probably protein. Um, So really being mindful of consuming high protein meals. This is something that we help you do in the Carb Compatibility Project. It's my experience working with thousands of women over the past 12 years that collectively we're kind of under eating this macronutrient. So prioritizing protein can be very, very helpful. Consuming high protein meals also helps with uh, a couple of other satiety hormones, CCK, peptide YY. Um, these help to decrease appetite and just make you feel fuller. So there's more than one thing happening when you eat more protein. What's interesting is that whey protein um, was used in some human studies and it pretty, it, it, it exerts a GLP-1 stimulating action. So if you're somebody that uh, does protein powders and can tolerate whey, 
grass-fed whey protein is is another great way to do that. You can kind of um, use whey protein in your smoothies or use it in between meals. That seems to have a uh, positive uh, stimulation of GLP-1 secretion. So that's just kind of like a pro tip. Uh, peptides and amino acids, there's still more research that needs to be done, but amino acids, peptides, like smaller protein structures also seem to stimulate GLP-1 producing cells in the intestine. I will say, I, I fully recognize this is like completely anecdotal, um, but for what it's worth, I have noticed that... Um, supplementing with aminos has really impacted my appetite. Um, I, I, I eat a lot of food. I am somebody with a robust appetite. I eat food. I love food. I eat food. Um, where I get into trouble perhaps is nighttime eating. Like I will eat a full, like a whole ass meal, like a whole ass dinner meal. And I don't know if it's hunger necessarily. I think it's more habitual but I like to do my snacky snacks at night. And as I shared on the protein episode that I mentioned, and I've been talking about this more on Instagram too, I have been supplementing with Keon aminos uh, before and or after uh, my exercise, whether it's hot yoga or lifting or whatever I'm doing that day. And I've noticed as a side effect, I'm not hungry at night. Like I'll eat my a full ass meal. <laughs> at dinner. And then I don't really have much appetite at night. So again, totally anecdotal, but, um, I just thought when I was reading through the research, I was like, Oh, huh. That's interesting. Since I'm already talking about Keon Aminos, I'm going to shout them out because they are a show sponsor. Love them. Great supplement for fitness. They naturally boost energy. You can help, uh, yourself build lean muscle, enhance athletic recovery. They're backed by over 20 years of clinical research, super great quality ingredients. There's no fillers. There's no junk. It tastes good. And you can save 20% on monthly deliveries and 10% off of one-time purchases. Getkeon.com forward slash funk. That's where you got to go. G-E-T-K-I-O-N.com forward slash F-U-N-K to get my fundamental supplement for fitness, Keon Aminos. Now, I was also talking about fat in response to increasing GLP. And what's interesting is that what type of fat actually matters. So saturated fat increased GLP levels by three times. Uh, the fat that was used in this particular study, and I'll link these uh, studies up, was lard. Other saturated fats include butter, ghee, whole fat, dairy, ideally grass-fed, animal fats. Those are the saturated fats. And then monounsaturated fats did the same thing. It increased GLP levels by 3x. So uh, the fat that was used in the study was olive oil, but other monounsaturated fats would be olive oil, olives, avocados, avocado oil, nuts, and seeds. And what was interesting is that polyunsaturated fats didn't do anything. And by the way, this is um, Dr. Ben Bickman. He's a metabolic scientist. He presented this information and I thought it was pretty fascinating. So I'll, I'll link up the, uh, the article. Uh, so polyunsaturated fats, uh, this, the fat used in the study was safflower oil, but uh, sunflower oil, cor uh, corn oil, soybean, those are all polyunsaturated fats and they don't seem to have a very good effect at all, uh, which is why we don't really advocate for consuming a tremendous amount of them, right? Right. And this is why in the Carb Compatibility Project, we really focus on teaching you how to eat a higher protein, higher fat diet. And this is 
part of the reason why people experience weight loss. It's just that satiety piece. They're very satiating. And now you understand part of the reason why. Okay. Other foods that can impact GLP-1, flavonoids or flavonoids, depending on how you want to say them. Flavonoids are really good for blood sugar regulation. Um, they have very anti-diabetic effects. They're, they've got high antioxidant properties. Uh, they have the ability to modulate cellular signaling. They can improve glucose tolerance. They can improve blood insulin levels, the AMPK signaling pathway. I think I just talked about that a couple of weeks ago. They can uh, influence those pancreas cells and can also increase and enhance GLB-1. So I'm going to kind of pick my way through the different flavonoids. And this is where you can have a chuckle because some of these words I like straight up just don't know how to say. So we're going to try our best. But then I'm going to tell you the foods that you can find them in. And that's the real money shot. Okay. So genistein, this is going to be in your soy products Always go organic if you're consuming soy. I am not here to debate soy. I'm not going to fight you over it. If you don't want to eat soy, don't eat soy. Just move on from it. But some people do eat so, uh, soy. So organic tofu, organic tempeh, miso, all great sources of this. Alfalfa sprouts, clover sprouts, also broccoli, cauliflower, sunflower, caraway, and clover seeds all have this particular flavonoid. Quercetin. So we can find quercetin in citrus fruits, apples, onions, parsley, sage, and red, red wine. Makes me feel so fine. Uh, we can also find quercetin in olive oils, uh, grapes, dark cherries, and dark berries. So like your deeply pigmented berries, blueberries, blackberries, bilberries, you can find those. And then we have EGCG. I love saying that because it always reminds me of CBGBs, which is like the birthplace of punk, essentially. So you can find that in your green tea, in your matcha. Keep drinking those things. Then we have naringenin. That's a fun word to say. That's in your citrus fruits. So citrus fruits keep coming up a lot. And one thing, one little pro tip that I will give you is to use the rind of your citrus fruits. So I'm always, you know, lemons, limes, oranges. I usually do this with um, only when I'm buying organic and then making sure that there's not like a wax, like a waxy film on the outside. But just use like a cheese grater or a zester and zest that, that shit right up. Uh, I just made pesto last night. I added arugula, basil, pumpkin seeds, olive oil, sea salt, and then I because I was using fresh lemon juice, I just used the zest of the lemon juice. So, or the, the lemon peel. And it's such an awesome way to add super good flavor to your food, but then also a lot of antioxidants. So citrus fruits for the win. Uh, this guy can also be found in tart cherries, tomatoes, and Greek oregano. And then we have tangerine tin. Sure. That's also in the peels of citrus fruits. So keep doing that. Rutin is found in buckwheat, apricots, cherries, grapes, grapefruit, plums, oranges. Camphorol can be found in green leafy veggies like your spinaches and your kale and then fresh herbs like dill, chives, tarragon. Honestly, such a pro move as a way to really enhance your deep nutrition is to start cooking with more fresh herbs. The more, the better. Uh, curcumin, we know and love from turmeric. We've got resveratrol, which is found in re uh, grapes, wine, grape juice, cacao, uh, berries, 
all those deeply pigmented foods. And then luteolin, which is in celery, parsley, broccoli, onion leaves. Onion leaves? I have no idea why I wrote that down in my notes. (laughs) Onions, carrots, peppers, cabbages, and apple skins. So listen, that was a crap ton of food that I just threw out at you. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that attempting to eat all of these foods is easier than a daily injectable. It's not. It's not. This takes work. This takes effort. This takes time. And if you prioritize aesthetics over health, this is probably not going to be a very attractive offer to you. However, however, what I can tell you is that dealing with the potential downsides of the medication, that might not be easy for you either. So again, if you're like, this is overwhelming, this is too much food, the Carb Compatibility Project by design includes these foods. And we have recipes and we have ways to eat them to make it not feel super overwhelming. It teaches you how to include these foods into your daily diet. All right, the last thing we're going to talk about here are bile acids because bile acids are well-recognized stimulus of GLP-1. Now, essentially what happens, we've talked about the, the, the gallbladder in bile a lot on the show. So for the sake of time, I'm not going down that rabbit hole. But if you go to episode 207, I talk about gallbladder, bile, and gut health and hormones. It's a really good episode so you can learn more. But essentially, the gallbladder releases bile and then bacteria convert that bile to secondary bile acids. And those are metabolized by the bacteria in your gut. And from there, they bind to FXR receptors. And that's how they modulate insulin response by, you guessed it, GLP-1. You see how complex this shit is? (laughs) I mean, really. But consuming, having a good, healthy bile flow, we've talked about this on the show before, really supports insulin receptor site activity. Um, That FXR also impacts both alpha cells and beta cells of the pancreas. So these bile acids are pivotal signaling molecules that help to control glucose, lipid, energy metabolism. If you're not focusing on gut health, uh, on, excuse me, gallbladder health and bile production, you should start now. It is a strong recommend. And one of the best ways to do this is by consuming bitter foods. So bitter foods are anything that like when you taste them, you like kind of make a funny face and you're like, you know, like, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? I wish you could see my face. Um, I'll just kind of run through the list of some common bitter foods. Arugula is one of them. Endive is another one. Radicchio, that one's like almost too bitter for me to tolerate. And I've had some practice with bitter foods. Uh, Dandelion greens, dandelion root tea. Coffee is actually a bitter. Uh, Jerusalem artichokes, those aren't, I wouldn't say that those are super common. Although I just saw them at Vernon Family Farm. Those are also really great source of prebiotic fibers. Um, Sesame seeds and my favorite tahini. So ground up sesame seeds are also bitter. Turmeric, uh, ginger can be considered a bitter, cacao. And then bringing back the rinds of citrus peels, we were talking about that. Those are also bitter as well, especially that white pithy part. Um, You can dry that out and grind it up and sprinkle it into things. So those are all ways to enhance 
and support bile flow, which is then going to enhance and support GLP-1 production. But again, supporting overall metabolism and insulin signaling and blood sugar control is more than just pushing the lever on one hormone. Um, There are so many different things, gut health included, that really deeply impact overall uh, metabolism. So when I'm working with somebody um, from a supplement standpoint, another thing that I'm also considering here is the use of short-chain fatty acids because short-chain fatty acids, these, these guys are produced uh, by our gut bacteria, uh, acetate, propionate, butyrate. Uh, so the, the gut bacteria eat fermentable fibers and then produce these guys. And those also help to enhance GLP-1 production. So I'm doing a lot with different fiber, different types of fiber supplementation and short-chain fatty acid supplementation. And that can be really powerful from an overall blood sugar perspective and metabolic perspective. So I know I just threw a lot at you. I am hoping that this gives you some things to think about. Again, the goal here wasn't to convince you to do one thing or not to do one thing. It's just more to say like, hey, here's some information. Here are some options. As always, you do you. And happy new year, everybody. I hope you're all uh, kicking ass and taking names. I'll check you next week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.